HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Why is Heritage Radio Network important to you? HRN is very nostalgic to go into because it's really the only place that you have this really warm, homey experience to watch people get together and talk about the things that really make a difference. It's really fun when I ask guests, do you want to be on Heritage? And they're like, Alberta's yes, 100%. I believe that we all are really trying to bring people together. I think getting more people excited about good, local, well-crafted food and away from big ag and tasteless commodity food is so important. It's kind of an honor to be sitting there with so many, in a space where so many other people have sat. Join HRN's vibrant community of thoughtful eaters. Become a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome to HR and Happy Hour. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson, the communications director here at HRN, Joined by my lovely co-host and colleagues, Katie Mosman-Wadler. Hello, Katie. Hey, Kat. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. And Hannah Forden. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> we also have the wonderful Amanda Wang in the booth, our engineer, making us sound great. Hey, Amanda. Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy Thursday. I only ever get to see Amanda on Thursdays, so it always just, like, makes my day. Me too. Oh, thank you, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> I miss being neighbors with you, Amanda. This is the hardest part. I know. It's it's weird, because, you know, like, after intern life, it's like I almost never see you guys. I <laughs> just know. a little bit weird. Uh, well, life. you know, you're welcome back anytime you want to rejoin that <laughs> intern life, but I think the, um, the, real, the, the paying job life is probably a more familiar one. Yeah. at this point. Um, we are very lucky. We have some incredible guests in the studio with us today. This is our wrap-up episode. Of the decade. The, gosh, I was going to say the season, cat. No, the decade. That's Whoa. really dramatic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know, it is. Uh, are, we, are we happy to see the decade go? Are we sad? How are yeah. we feeling? I think I'm ready to, to, to turn the page, to start a new chapter. Yeah. So it's been a great decade, but also... I'm excited to see what's what's next. How about you guys? In the 2020s. 
the Roaring Twenties. <laughs> oh, oh, are they gonna roar again? Cool. Maybe. Yeah. If you go um, to Lions Roar karaoke, they will roar. It's a story for another what day. What happens at Lions Roar stays at I Lions know, Roar. I know Maggie Lions knows. Roar. Okay. I know we better introduce okay. our guest. We have to introduce our guest because we have to talk about Lions Roar. Um, first up, we have Maggie Miller and Randy Miller, the father-daughter duo behind Scottish King's Gin. Welcome. Hello. Thank, thank you, you so much. Okay, so Maggie's been to Lions Roar karaoke, so we're going to get into that. Yes. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> we can do this whole episode just about karaoke, and I'll be very happy. Done. Our second guest, or our third guest, I should say, is Sarah Gray Miller, the editor-in-chief of Subver Magazine. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Thrilled to be here, and I'm not sure if I'm related or not to the other <laughs> Millers in the room. Yeah, we chose our guests alphabetically. <laughs> we do. Uh-huh. This season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're at the M's now. Yep. We'll get into the N's next decade. <laughs> we also have... Our lovely co uh, co host or co co host Zara Tangora of Life's a Banquet. Hello, happy Thursday. And soon to be new show launching on HRN next year. Processing with her mom. This is a nice little like parent tribute. Yeah, there's a parental episode. theme in yeah, the room. Parents here, parents there, parents coming, going, <laughs> and, and distant relatives. Can you give us a quick plug, Zara, for what processing will be? Sure, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> well, while I'm here. Um, Processing <laughs> is a show that's going to be premiering next season on HRN, and it is about the intersection of food and grief. I'm going to be doing it with my mom, Bobby, who is a grief counselor, a uh, psychotherapist, uh, a psychotherapist, not a psycho and a therapist. <laughs> um, no, she's an no amazing problem. person. And we will be doing interviews with different folks who have a variety of different experiences um, with grief whether it be and food, whether it be a first responder, someone who's lost a loved one, someone who's endured the loss of a business, um, you know, different kinds of really intense life transformations um, anywhere that you find grief, which is actually a, a lot of places. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, and then how food plays into it. So we're very excited about that. And thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here, spontaneously. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> yeah, we have, a, we have a, we accept walk-ins on, on Happy Hour enthusiastically. In fact, um, one of the highlights of the past year was we brought in a, a very random, very strange, very enthusiastic gentleman who was eating at Roberta's. Oh, yeah, Blake from Austin. Blake, what's up, Blake? He came up to the window very surprised and enthusiastic about what was going on in here. <laughs> And I, I said, come on in. And he did. And, oh, did he? And he was like, he got on the mic right where Sarah Gray is sitting, and he was like, what is this? Who are you? What are you doing? And we were like, we're HRN. We're a food radio network. And he was like, this is amazing. We're like, who are you? I'm Blake from Austin. I sell real estate. He has the greatest business card I've ever seen in my life. It's a picture of him pointing at you, and it says, expert negotiator. <laughs> So, so if you okay. need to buy real estate in Austin, let me know. I got his card. Um, that was a really unique experience. Um, okay. <laughs> we have a couple of quick announcements and headlines to get through, and then we're going to dive in with our guests. We're going to talk about Sever. We're going to talk about gin. We're going to talk about karaoke. We have some trivia. So we have a lot to get to. We're going to do our headlines super fast. Um, do we – I think we should do um, – let's, let's talk about the drive at the end. Okay. Yeah. Deal. Let's, let's give everyone like a little moment. Um, okay. Amanda, would you just kick us off with our headline music? I, I just want to just talk about this first one first. Yes. Um, last night we were all super excited and jumping up and down because our other show, Meet and Three, which is just a tad uh, 
more produced than this one. <laughs> just um, slightly. Just, it's just a little bit slightly different style, but the other show that we make, uh, our team at HRN Office, got nominated for Best Food or Drink Podcast by the Taste Awards, and we're super stoked. Woo! Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah, we're really thrilled. We're alongside some really great company. Um, Proof was on there from America's Test Kitchen and Milk Street um, from Christopher Kimball was there. And uh, a bunch of other really great shows, and we're just happy to be in such good company. So I just wanted to congratulate everybody. That show takes a ton of people and time to produce every single week. So uh, we're just really proud and excited about that. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about a couple of headlines. Um, today, all of our headlines are about the end of the year and the decade. Oh, my God, this is, like, getting me into a sweat. Um, <laughs> on the main course OG, Emily Pearson, Patrick Martins, and Trig Brown, their brand-new co-host... From Win Sun, you guys know him from his delicious food. Welcome special guest and wine expert Andre Mack, another friend of HRN, to cover the best of 2019, holiday party gifts and etiquette, and curbing your dog and more. Those things all go together. Sure, yeah. why not? Yeah. Um, Cutting the Curd season finale brings together all three hosts, Elena Santagade, Diane Stemple, and Aaron Foster, to reflect on 2019 and make some cheese-related bets for 2020. Hi, Jinx and Sue. I don't know. Go listen. <laughs> Also, Tech Bites <laughs> takes a look forward with their last show of the year. Jennifer Liuzzi welcomes Bloomberg's Kate Crater to discuss top trend, top food tech trends to watch in the coming decade. And finally, for some sort of bittersweet news, our beloved Michael Harlan Turkel, host of the food scene, is wrapping the show for a little while for the foreseeable future. Um, and so his last guest um was andrew scrivani who is the only person to be on the show three times he is um he's become one of the most recognized food photographers in the field and just released a book um it's called that photo makes me hungry um and it gives us step-by-step instructions for shooting amazing food photography and michael holland took Nope. <laughs> Michael Harlan Turkel, the host of the food scene, is also an incredible food photographer, and we'll miss seeing him every week, but um, wish him the very best being a new papa. Yeah, so um, this is like probably a good time for me to fess up. Um, so Michael <laughs> had a baby, well, with his wonderful wife, Megan. Um, they have sweet baby Gil, so if you follow them on social media, you've seen like just the most adorable pictures. Um, so he's taking a little time to be with his family and work on some other projects. Um, we're going to you know, keep the food scene fiend alive, of course. Um, but this might be a good time for me to actually tell you guys we've been kind of dancing around it all season. I, too, am expecting a little tiny boy. A new foodie. Uh, new foodie, new uh, HRN radio producer of the future. <laughs> uh, coming soon. So this, um, I'll probably maybe make it to, like, one more episode in the new season. We'll see. I'm exactly a month from my due date right now. So I might see you guys, but I'll definitely see you guys, like, in a little while, Crocodile. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, if you've seen, noticed any of our episode photos where I'm like wearing these like really baggy, uh, holding things. a large box <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> behind an umbrella, um, that's what's going on. So anyway, I'm super excited to leave you guys in the very, very capable hands of my team. I'm taking, uh, 12 weeks of maternity leave at some point when the baby shows and uh, I'll be back. So Congratulations. Do you ever put headphones on your <gasps> belly for your Ooh. own shows? Play so that, that baby some podcasts. You talking? Well, apparently he can already hear me talking. Oh. Like right now. I, I guess I don't know how that um, I didn't work. either. <laughs> I, I don't know how babies work at all. Um, but I guess they kind of get to know your voice just from being around you. But I hadn't 
I hadn't thought about that. If I don't feel like talking and I just want him to like hear stuff, I guess I could just like yeah. play him an episode. Yeah, exactly. That's a great oh. idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, okay. So this brings us to, we went to karaoke on Tuesday. We took our interns out for an intern appreciation night. At Lions Roar, which is, uh, you might have heard us talk about this before. This is a really unique place. I don't want to tell the world about it. I mean, just maybe, like, just know that, like, if you're in Bushwick, there might be this really magical place. It's somebody's home. Yeah. I I actually lived a couple of apartments down, which is how I learned about it originally. Could you hear it? I couldn't, which (laughs) is kind of the allure. You Mm -hmm. would have no idea it's there. Uh, we tried to get in for my birthday this year. They had an opening for us at 4 a.m. <gasps> if we Sorry, wanted what? to. Yeah, 4 a.m. Wow. If we wanted to to stop by then. But that was it because it's booked up. So I hope no one hears this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no. Don't go there. I'm curious because it's the best icebreaker. What is everyone's go-to karaoke mm. song? Mm. Good question. Kat, you should start because I feel like you have you the have most like a solid, solid repertoire. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really like to go with uh, Jeanine C. Riley's Harbor Valley PTA because I love to tell a story when I'm doing karaoke. It's mm. classic. <laughs> Thank you. I knew you would appreciate Do that. Do you one. also sing "The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia"? No, I don't. But that might be a good one to add. I also this past time sang. Um, I went. I go old with that one, and then I went very new, and I sang "Loose Change" by the High Women. I, mm. Excellent. Song. I like want that to be my new one. That was good. so good. I mean, he had to like pull up a YouTube video because it's not like a karaoke version of that yet. <laughs> I love it. Um, deep cut. It was super, yes. super kind of no, Ariana Grande. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's fine. my. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't have like. I have a few, but like probably. Oh. Um, Kat has to like do do this one with me, um, oh. which is uh, you and I, Lady Gaga, which like despite remembering that it's really hard to sing every time we're actually in it I'm like oh right this is so hard oh you guys kill it <laughs> that is I've, I had never heard that song prior to seeing you guys do karaoke and I now have seen it like four or five times and it is I'm always like get your fucking lighter out it's happening <laughs> uh, do we want to tell them about like who won karaoke this oh, week yeah. though yeah. I mean, um, it, was, it was an experience. There's, It's hard because we have... A member of our team is also, like, kind of a famous musician. <laughs> so, like, there's just no competition. So, Jeet Paul, who is one of our part-time engineers, who is just incredibly talented at audio engineering, is also... Um, a rock star. A, an actual rock star. His band, which I feel so bad I'm blanking on what it's called, was written up in um, the Indian Rolling Stone this year and is a transcontinental amazing rock band so uh we really can't compete with him (laughs) he's incredible but he and matt patterson our lead engineer did a duet which it was savage garden truly madly that's right yeah and it was was with feeling i mean it seems unfair i think they should be disqualified (laughs) (laughs) but like it was like the whole boy band thing we were all like we just lost (laughs) our minds were there dance moves oh yeah yeah there was like there was like Oh, I have some videos I can show you later. Please. <laughs> what about what about you, Sarah Gray? Go to song. I also like a story and a southern hit, so I think it's got to be um, Tammy Wynette's D I V O R C E. Excellent. And it's spoken word most of it, so you don't even really have to be a very good singer, Strat- which helps. <laughs> Pro. I I like terrorizing my friends, so. <laughs> I have two go-tos. I'll only do one in an evening because I'll lose all my friends if I do both of them. Um, 
Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston. Damn. I'm not a good singer, just <laughs> to be very clear. That's always fun for me. But you believe the children are our future? Teach them well and let them lead the way. Don't get me started. Uh, that one, or I really love singing Define Gravity from Wicked. Oh, my yeah. The entire edit that's, I think, seven or eight minutes long. You're but a I, monster. I'm, I'm the worst. Don't go to karaoke with me. Um, oh, I want to. It's, it's fun because I like singing. So there's Elphaba, Glinda, and then there's also the townspeople. So there are a lot of different parts to sing, and I like singing them alone. <laughs> How about oh. Randy, Sara? Folsom Prison Blues. Oh, oh. we have a nice theme here. Yeah, well, anything by Johnny Cash basically would be okay. It's, yeah. it's, it's low enough. It's yeah. low enough. I can do that. <laughs> the Girl from Yesterday, Glenn Fry. Mm. You probably don't know that song. Oh, I don't, know. It's an old Eagles song. Okay, I'm going to look it up. Mm. Eagles, nice. I, I almost, you know, mm. I really wanted to do some Eagles this time, and I just Excellent. didn't I just didn't pull it off. But, mm. um, um Hannah, you didn't say one yet, but Will Will has been saying he has your version of cabaret stuck in his head. Oh, My cool. version. Your version. <laughs> like, Look out, Liza. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, for those of you who don't know, I have a theater background. Um, and so, yeah, like that, I mean, I, I feel like my my days of like learning every single lyric in a song like stopped around like 19. And so the only songs that I can ever think of to do for karaoke are like the, the my like, I'm 19 and my heart's broken. Oh, we can go in on Wicked together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, babe. So, so I, I, my policy is it's mostly Alanis Morissette and Amy Winehouse because you know I have a lot of feelings. Um, but yeah, I like to throw some show tunes in, which I used to be scared of doing, but now I really like doing. People love it. We're a very supportive crowd. Yeah, exactly. And if, yeah, if I've got Miss Wicked over here, yeah. I, I can do anything. But also karaoke, you're in a state of mind normally where fears have left the building a long time ago. You're doing it right, yeah. Mm-hmm. For yeah liquid reason. Yes, <laughs> yes. I read for my wine. Yes, with the help of my friend Prosecco, I was able to uh, give Liza a run for her money. Totally. Mazzara. Oh, my goodness. Well, if I'm with friends and I do have people to help me, I'll do Bohemian Rhapsody. I've yeah. been known oh, yeah. to go to Montero's yeah. and do Bohemian Rhapsody. And I also have a Whitney Houston. I like, I will always love you. We could either be yeah. Whitney or, or Dolly. Dolly. Yeah. Or Dolly. Or Dolly. Um, and I used to actually own a restaurant, and we would always sing I Will Always Love You at the end of the night when all the customers had left, oh. like, at least once a week. You have to sing it at the top of your lungs. So people would often come downstairs from upstairs and be like, can you please shut up? <laughs> like, stop it. Oh, stop torturing us. Though. Yeah. But, you know. It's pretty good, and I'm going to do it right now. So, Maestro, Amanda, please cue the music. <laughs> We're going to have to bleep that out for a license yeah, reasons. Exactly. <laughs> I'll be right back after the short break. And a one, and a two. And we're back. <laughs> um, well, the whole reason we got onto the karaoke topic was also, um, so this was my third time uh, being pregnant and doing team karaoke. We go to karaoke kind of a lot, I guess. Um, so it was my third, like, sober karaoke, which, like, actually sorry. was, like, <laughs> more fun than I would have thought it would be, but, like, mostly because of my wonderful team. Um, but, like, Matt the other night was like, are you worried that you're doing the opposite of baby Mozart right now? It's <laughs> <was> like, yes. <laughs> Who needs baby Mozart? Though? Yeah, so this baby, I was like, you know what, so no, angsty? the reason for this is I have to start embarrassing this kid as early as possible so like he just gets used to it so I'm like okay we're like well on our way now like mom is just gonna be a total embarrassment for quite a while so 
just starting off on the right foot. Um, okay, so we're having this is this is our last show of the decade. Yep. This is crazy. Um, Sever, as many of you have probably received in your mailboxes, just had their 25th anniversary edition, and I really. Mm. Just, I always struggle to not say episode because I'm so used to saying episode. <laughs> this is the 25th anniversary of Sever. Um, I hope that you all have received it in the mail because you're subscribed. But um, if you need to go pick it up, go get it. Could you tell us about the... Uh, well, first of all, you have to tell the story of how you first started working at Sever and um, now your new role and what it was like to put together this compendium of 25 years. So I'm basically telling everyone just how old I am, um, because 25 years ago, I worked at Sever. Um, I was not the editor-in-chief, quite the opposite. I was the receptionist and the assistant to the founding editor-in-chief, Dorothy Kalins, really about a week out of college. Um, I was, but basically a rube from Mississippi, <laughs> watching these genius editors, Dorothy Kalins, Coleman Andrews, and Christopher Hersheimer really dream up this magazine from scratch, but in a very non-Hearst-Condé-Nast corporate way. It was seriously out of control. Um, and yeah, I had a ringside seat and got to watch it and stuck around for eight years. I went over to Sever's sister publication, Garden Design, but Dorothy was the editor-in-chief of both, and when she was delegating her workload, she forgot who was on which masthead. <laughs> um, so I basically gave my 20s to her and this brand, and as fate would have it, I came back in August, and the first issue was going to be the 25th anniversary issue, which, I mean, I obviously had a leg up because <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I remembered. And, and I've also stayed in touch with... Dorothy, in fact, she was my reference to get the job, but I didn't tell her what it was for. Um, and I emailed her and said, I got I got the job. And she said, what is it? And I said, Sever. And then she said, wait, my job? <laughs> um, but of course, she helped me out. She wrote a beautiful essay for the issue. Coleman Andrews also wrote for the issue. We have a feature on Christopher Hersheimer's new restaurant. And for me, I had not kept in great touch with everyone who worked there. So it was, I had this opportunity to get back in touch with all these, we called ourselves the kids because we were in our 20s back in the 90s and we called them the grown-ups. So I got back in touch with all these women who I ran, ran wild all over Manhattan with um, back in the 90s and some in person, some lunches. There was one conference call where actually we should have gotten in touch with your mom. It wasn't a grief problem, but it became like a therapy session. Uh, remember that time I cried in the bathroom? And so it's, it's just been, I don't know, a homecoming, a high school reunion. Wow. That's so beautiful. And also I'm holding the magazine in my hand right now and it is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Do you want to describe for our listeners what's on the cover? Yes, it's a carrot cake, mm. um, beautiful carrot cake, and um, the folks at Tartine whipped that up for us, the legendary bakery in San Francisco. I mean, if you're going to get a birthday cake, that's who you want to bake it. I want that cake for my birthday. It was delicious. It was delicious. In fact, while they were shooting it, all the sort of pieces that didn't make it and leftover icing were there, and I just kept dipping chunks of uh, cake into icing. It was unbelievably good. Tough job. 
Someone's uh, got to do it. it. Yeah, my clothes are not fitting the way they did <laughs> this past summer. I'll tell you that much. Join the uh, club. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Don't even get me started. <laughs> you have an excuse. Um, turning food into a human. Um so you were at Modern Farmer for a while before. I was. And I'm really curious to hear from your perspective, do you think that that's going to influence a new direction at Sever or kind of a, a particular emphasis? Or, you know, are those two pathways kind of independent? I mean, I think every place I've ever been probably influences who I am as an editor. Mm -hmm. And Modern Farmer, I really feel like I should have earned about 20 master's degrees um, because I learned so much there, but every brand is different. So on the one hand, yeah, on the other, no, but I have already assigned, I have already assigned a story on regenerative agriculture um, to a writer who worked with me, because Sever was always from the get-go about going a little deeper with food and placing it in context. And the magazine, and I know this because I was listening when they were fighting about stuff, was you know everybody else was doing that and they're still doing it now how to feed a family of five in five minutes or less for five dollars a head and there's no connection to where that food came from and with Sever, of course it's more about where it comes from in geographically in terms of culture connecting it to the people the place that it comes from but agriculture is part of where our food comes from and what the very climate things are grown in and what things are grown in certain places influence, that all influences food. So I, it can't help but inform me. And I'm, I'm glad I'm walking into this with knowledge I did not, I didn't have mm -hmm. four or five years ago. I think that's so important to bring to like the food media landscape is of an appreciation of the big picture and like exactly where our food comes from. Yeah, I mean, the biggest, almost every problem I remember at Modern Farmer, it didn't matter what we were tackling, at, whether it was farm labor, um, whether it was organic certification, at the end, it all boiled down to the fact that Americans pay so little for their food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you, you hit up against these, you know, uh, catch-22, oh, how do we solve the problem? And it's ultimately because we expect to pay nothing. Yeah. So uh, kind of on that note and something I think that, you know, Sever as a magazine that really appreciates and tells the story behind really quality food, how do you address kind of this criticism that we all face in food media of um, good food being elitist or there's an accessibility problem to great food? That sort actually, of in context of the magazine. That comes, that comes very easily to me answering that question because when I got to Sever and started talking to people about it, there was this sense of, well, Sever doesn't. <laughs> there was all this sort of pretension because of the fancy French name, I guess. Mm -hmm. But having been there at the beginning, I was like, guys, we put Flamin' Hot Fritos in the Sever 100 <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> you know, we, like, extolled the virtues of Duke's mayonnaise. Um, and, and that's where culture comes in. I mean, quite frankly, my favorite food is a little something called Rotel Dip. And it's a block of Velveeta with a can of Rotel. People are like, how did you make it? And I'm like, you take a can of this, you, you know, shelf-stable cheese. I mean, it's shameful from an agriculture point of view. But from a culture point of view, I grew up in the South. I was just about to ask that. As you're from Mississippi, I'm from Alabama. Everything you're just talking about, to me, just, like, screams Southern culture in a way. How do you think that, like, 
that that being your background and where your roots are, how does that kind of inform your point of view and the, the approach you take personally, like as an editor? It definitely keeps me down to earth. Um, you just you can't be from Mississippi and be a snob, you know. <laughs> you really can't, and it's always been though. I've worked at so many places where someone would be like, you know, your reader lives in a flyover state. And I'm like, I basically am a walking flyover state. I mean, you, ha- you have <laughs> chandeliers in Mississippi, but they're at an old Miss tailgate, so <laughs> exactly. keep it in perspective. Exactly. So I'm always going to come at things from a down to earth perspective, um, but also we have such a the South and various states in the South, there's such a, they have a singular culture. So I think, you know, I try to not be too Southern in what I cover. I try to watch it, Mm -hmm. but it also makes me really respect other cultures, especially rural cultures. Mm. I think that's, that's an important thing too now is that like, there's such a divide more so than regionally. It's a divide between urban and rural. That's kind of where we're at. And I'm well aware of it, having worked at magazines, where it's like, well, you just pop down to the store and you get an, you know, an aged Gouda, and I'm like, yeah, at the the Piggly Wiggly doesn't sell that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to my stepmom, and who was like trying to make, uh, she wanted to make sushi for her granddaughter that loves it, and she sent me a picture of quote-unquote redneck sushi, and it was cutting a corn dog to to look like sushi, and I was like. <laughs> I was like, Annette, you have an Instant Pot, make sushi rice, you have avocado. And I was like, you could get a little, like, rice wine vinegar and, like, make it a little more sushi rice-like. And she was like, yeah, I don't know where I'm going to get that. <laughs> I was like, Amazon. The Internet has helped a lot. You know, yeah. growing up, back when I grew up in Mississippi, I remember, like, we couldn't get guest jeans. I'm, again, dating myself, the 80s. But there was no place to get a swatch or all those trends. And I do think that the Internet is a great social equalizer. But then we all have Amazon shame from the boxes Mm -hmm. and the packaging and not buying local. So, yeah, you can't win. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. well, I also want to hear from our other Millers about (laughs) Scottish King's Gin. Um, We were so grateful to have this as one of our featured spirits at our gala. So thank you so much for being a part of that. Um, tell us a little bit about the origin story of this relatively new gin brand. It's okay. complicated. I'll, it's complicated. You. <laughs> I'll talk a little bit about it. So, uh, Linda, my wife and I started going to Scotland 15 years ago and about 12 years ago, found a little town in the North of Scotland, Dornock, uh, where we now go four times a year, a couple of weeks, every time we just love being there. It's on the North sea. It's a beautiful place. And we were there several years ago, and I've always loved gin for years, and most people don't know, Scotland makes more gin than scotch. So, I mean, like, big Mm. brands are made in Scotland. So there's lots of gin opportunities to drink in Scotland. (laughs) And so I tried a lot of them, and I've always felt like there are a lot of gins I favor, but no one that I think is perfect. And so I said, that's something I want to do, is try to make a gin, and I want to make one that I think is the best gin ever, and hopefully other people will like it. So fortunately, a lot of people have. We've uh, gotten a lot of awards and things. So that's gone great. So we just launched this year here in New York and Colorado because I live in Colorado. Maggie lives here in New York. And so those are our introductory markets. And uh, this gin is not trying to be something trendy that's like forward something or some weird flavors. It's trying to... I notice it's clear. It's not pink. It's not. (laughs) Yeah, none of that. It's not aged or anything. It's just... 
the best gin we Against could possibly Against my make. wishes. That was the only thing I wanted, but he didn't listen yeah. to me. Oh. So just trying to make this be an incredibly smooth, well-balanced gin. So it's not one... In fact, the best the best reaction I've had was people have probably heard of Frosca, which is in Boulder, Colorado, where we live. Mm -hmm. Always rated as one of the top ten restaurants in the country. And the bar manager there said this is the first gin he'd ever tasted that drinks like a scotch. And I think that's the best mm -hmm. way to describe it because it, there's no overpowering flavor. There's a lot of flavor notes from floral to herbal to spicy to citrus, all those things happening in the gin. So it's a it's a really great, real well-balanced thing. So, Should we try it? Yeah, we should definitely <laughs> yeah. try you it. Should. Pop it. You should, um, for sure. In the meantime, um, so Dave Arnold is the one who used the gin at yeah. the gala. Yeah. Maggie, what did you think about what he did uh, cocktail-wise with the gin? I... Don't remember half of the party because <laughs> I just kept going back to our booth. Not because I was biased, but because it was so good. He made just like a what gin sounds juice. what sounds basic gin and juice, but oh, so it's Dave Arnold, so Dave he's doing do he's basic. doing cl like clarified uh, yeah. grapefruit juice, and it was like absolutely perfect. Yeah, and it's it's funny to be here with Sarah Gray because. I mean, I, I think about mom's pantry. Mom is also in the room. She's just the silent partner of, Hi, mom. of Hi. the event. We have a stack of these <laughs> magazines in our kitchen. Yeah, there's a, just a huge stack of Sever. So I grew up with that around always. And my first roommate in New York actually worked for Sever. Wait, who was your roommate? Her name's Amanda Arnold. When was she was there? probably four years ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was old. Well, <laughs> she hasn't been there for a while. Yeah. You're not old by the way. Uh, anyway, um, so it's just nice to have all of these connections. And um, was there, a, what was the original? Oh, Dave Arnold. Yeah, yeah. yeah. great. The cocktails were amazing. I've had a few too many. We finally got Jen is amazing. I've just got to say, I just had a sip. It's yeah. wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Really yeah. complex. Yeah. yeah. I, I have a persistent, mild hangover <laughs> because I, I have access Same. to him. Yeah. So we were talking about farms and things, too. Um, this is actually made on a farm. People say, well, what town's it from? It's not. It's on a farm in the Highlands. It's really out in the middle of nowhere. T tell us more about that, like the process of making this gin, especially when you're not, you're not based there year-round. Right. Well, it was a long journey, like three years and several different distilleries until we finally found someone that could make what we were after, which is this real complex gin and fortunately we found a place and there's a young guy who's the master distiller who really you know how when you meet someone and you connect and you understand what the other person's saying and that was great because after going through some frustrating years of not being able to communicate it seemed like yeah. that we were really on the same page and he got what i was after and uh, so like this gin has basil i don't know mm. another gin that has oh. basil and that's oh. one of the herbal tones that you get and it's a you know offset by elderflower and rose petal for instance so there's a lot of things going on. And so it was great to find this little distillery that could really do what we wanted. The complicated part is it's you know, a little still in the middle of nowhere made by hand. You have to truck it out and ship it over to the United States. And so it, it, the, you know, the costs go up quite a bit. So it's mm -hmm. not inexpensive, but it's a, I think it's a fantastic gin. The, the other complicated thing is neither of us are Ryan Reynolds, so... Marketing, oh, yeah. In he case has you didn't know, you can't get the Peloton we lady. We can't get the Peloton lady Damn to. It. I don't understand how they did it. They filmed that Money. video. Oh, oh, I get it now. It's just a lot of money. I get it now. So, yeah, it's small farm, small operations, 
small family. This yeah. is this is oh, it this right is, here. This is the corporation. Um, Maybe Ryan Reynolds would want to invest in another gin brand. He might. You know. Maybe we we're not accepting. Investors. Actually, get, <laughs> actually, you should contact Ryan Gosling <laughs> or oh, Blake, Blake Lively. Oh, actually, yeah. a little domestic uh, competition. Yeah. Yes. My my dream is if you go online and and look at who's the biggest gin influencer in the world, Elizabeth Windsor. Oh. The queen. queen. The queen. Of course. She of course. drinks gin every day at lunch. She also she washes so her jewelry that's, yes. gin. That's how she keeps her diamonds sparkling. Oh, that is yeah. just, that is the most like. From gin. Over the top thing I've ever heard. Isn't her lunch cocktail a Dubonnet and gin? Yes. Which I think she has Bless like her heart. two at lunch. I would be on the floor. That's, that's why the, she's lived so long. Queen's cocktail. Have you seen The Crown? Uh, yeah, I just finished the new season. <laughs> Wait, I haven't seen the new season yet. No spoilers. I just Not started. It's, it's history. It's history. <laughs> yeah, but like, you don't know who's going to be the most expressive or who's going to have the best crying scene. You know, you just... spoiler alert: Helena Bonham Carter turns into Bellatrix Lestrange halfway through the season. Yes, you're welcome. What? <laughs> I'm putting, I'm piecing that together in my mind right now. Harry Potter. Oh, oh, see, that's why I didn't get it. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. I noticed. In- this issue, your 25th anniversary, you have a thing on Univer. Yes. Which is great, because we've spent a lot of time in the Netherlands, of all places. Maggie did an internship over there. Which, the people, sorry, to derail your conversation, the last, or your, sorry, <laughs> I cut you off. We're all family. Ooh, the three, the <laughs> four of us were having lunch here mm-hmm. to talk about the gala. Oh. And in walks... People from Amsterdam that I've known since I was six years old or something like that, and in the middle of our meal, I just, I, You're like could feel I glazed over <laughs> and just stood up and walked over to them, kind of without saying anything, right here. But yeah. that was that was crazy because you it didn't know crazy. That they were going to be in Brooklyn. No, I had no idea they were here. While you were yeah. at Roberta. Roberta's has a Roberta's. crazy it's magic. A vortex. Yeah. I once ran into people from Natchez, Mississippi, <gasps> in Chablis. France. Whoa. Whoa. What are the chances? Yeah. Yeah. We were in, we were in, Will and I were in Paris over Thanksgiving and got sat at a communal table at a like old school French place. We heard a Southern accent from the couple at the other end of the table and that we heard them say like, we're flying back through Atlanta and we go, okay, where are you from? They were from Gadsden, Alabama, Will's hometown. It's so, and you mentioned the accent because that's yeah. what, after being in, in Burgundy for a while, I thought, oh, that's English. And, and they're like, like, wait. Oh, that's American English. And I was like, Southern English. That sounds like Mississippi English. <laughs> and I turned around and I'm like, wait, I know you people. Yeah. Is that an oxymoron? <laughs> what, Natchez English? <laughs> so, sometimes. Depends on who's doing the talking. Sometimes. Oh, oh it's funny. You guys said earlier about the new decade. I'm just happy to make it to the new decade. Aww, so I think that's, that, I think we all are. We're glad you're yeah. here. Yeah. We're, not, we're not quite there yet. But. Thanks for the gym, Randy. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Can I ask, is there like one specific format that you would recommend people drink Scottish King's gin? Um, I Just the classic cocktails, because that's what mm-hmm. this is so good about. Uh, so, you know, Martini, Vesper, mm-hmm. I drink Gimlet's a lot. French gimlets are good too. What's a French gimlet? Uh, replace simple syrup with Saint Germain. Ah, okay, love that. Um, so you know any of the classic cocktails, I think is great. The other thing I would say about that, though, I do have an opinion. Back when those were all created, you know, the earlier in the century, gin was much more crude than it is now, mm-hmm. and now it's more sophisticated. And particularly this one is really sophisticated. <laughs> so I think you should really reduce those other additives to the 
the mixture, let the gin come through. Don't kill it with too much Campari or something like that. I was going to say, it's good Just, straight. Yeah, it's, so yeah it really is. We were drinking it this afternoon straight. So we've, <laughs> 24-7. We've been Do drinking for a while. <laughs> Do you have a favorite tonic pairing? There's so many tonics and tonic concentrates now or... Uh, not really. You know, there's there are so many. I personally do like the elderflower fever tree because mm-hmm. elderflower is in our recipe. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things about this gin is how you garnish it actually has a big effect mm-hmm. because it's so subtle. So if you put basil in it versus a rose petal or a lime or something else, it really changes the dynamic. Now I want to see, uh, I mean, give me a month, but I'm going to do this, uh, a flight <laughs> of all Scottish Kings gin with different garnish. Yeah. See you there. I I just did a tasting that was kind of similar. Pick part of a a flavor profile that you want to bring mm-hmm. out, and you part pair it with basil or mint or lime, and you, you can really taste the difference. And we'll we'll set you up once that baby is up. We'll be there at the yeah. birthing center with your flight. <laughs> I'm ready, <laughs> ready. Uh, we need to take a quick break. We're going to uh, think about our pairings a little bit more, and we'll be back after this. <laughs> Listen to Heritage Radio Network because, let's face it, you have really good taste. You care about where your food comes from, who made it, and its impact on the planet. Whether you're looking for an inspiring interview with your favorite celebrity chef, the latest on Dave Arnold's Spinzall, or if you want to get down and dirty with some agricultural policy, we've got you covered. Ten years in and 13,000 episodes later, HRN continues to be the go-to media outlet for thoughtful eaters, like you. And we never could have done it without the support of our listeners. Help Food Radio continue in the future and help us raise enough funds for the year to come. Go to heritageradionetwork.org donate today. And since you've got such good taste, we have some very cool member gifts for you to choose from. Thanks for listening and for being a part of the HRN community. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Thank you, Roberta's. Time. Okay, welcome back that, to Happy that was Hour. The sound of a high five from a new project we're plotting. Oh, I love this. We already have the name for our podcast called yeah. Miller Time. Miller Time gets credit. It's Miller the champagne time. of podcasts. We're not. Ooh. Oh, you're good. Oh. Wow. But we're not doing a podcast, but it'll be amazing. The it'll champ- be funny, I'm sure. It's going to be a hoot. Oh and probably God. drunken. Most likely. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring the cheese dip. Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, you're greenlit. <laughs> Um, okay, we're gonna do. We're gonna introduce a new segment on the show called Millers on Millers, and we'd like for the Millers to ask Sarah Gray Miller a question, and then vice versa. Anything on your mind pressing that you would like to know from the other? Okay, so the first thing I want to say is I disagree with your mother. I checked out the design. I don't think it's too busy. <laughs> I like. Thank you. you know, how much say did you have to say in the design of this issue? A lot. 
Um, it's, I mean, it's part of my job. That's the great thing about being an editor-in-chief instead of, well, I guess the great thing and the awful thing, right, is you're at the top of the masthead, so you're responsible for everything. Um, and it was sort of a challenge. You know, in the changing magazine business, we now have shared art and photo departments. Mm -hmm. So there isn't a severe art and photo department. There's a department we share with PopSci, Field and Stream, and Outdoor Life. There's one female editor-in-chief in that group. <laughs> um, but no, I pushed and pushed, and one of the designers really got it and got on board and got excited. And we were lucky to have the founding creative director write an essay for the issue about what he thought of when he established its original look. And you don't want to do that exact same thing, but mm -hmm. one of the designers really read it and got it and went back, at least for the special anniversary package, and unearthed those fonts and the old rabbit seal that cool. used to be on the cover. Yeah. And um, did a really, I think, sensitive, fun job with it. But my mother did think it was too busy. <laughs> I well, wanted I to say something about those cover <laughs> fonts, which are just so nostalgic and perfectly set. I mean, it's just also, I mean, you guys just have to have this thing in your hands. But but that, the 25th anniversary font. We actually like, had it hand drawn. Thank you. It's, so oh, wow. it's perfect. So this yeah. has, the reason I asked a question, this has nothing to do with gin. My undergraduate degree is in photojournalism. I went to Missouri journalism school. Which is a great school. And my graduate degree is in graphic design. And so now I don't do either oh, one. Oh, I'm going to tell my mom a professional told me it looked good. Plus, his whole career has been in newspaper, so this yeah. gin thing is new to us. But We also haven't mentioned that the label of the gin is like Incredible. Yeah, speaking of graphic so it's not it's not a surprise that you have a graphic design background because yeah. wow. we we got lucky because we partnered with Moxie Sozo, mm -hmm. who's done a lot of um, alcohol brands, and they happen to be in Boulder, where he lives. So just all kind of serendipitous yeah. things that have happened. I know what I want to know, and and you actually reminded me of it when you brought up my judgmental mother. If you're listening, <laughs> sorry, Mama, I still love you. You're just really hard on me. How is it as a? I would have an easier time with my dad, but how is it as a family business, especially one with two generations? Because I always feel I'm about to go home for Christmas. I walk in the door and I'm suddenly 16 and in trouble again, <laughs> and and my mom will not trust me with the photo album. Well, I don't know how Maggie feels. It's a little easier with 2,000 miles between us, you know, so <laughs> you don't get a day-to-day -day kind of issue. But this is the second time around because we're in the media business. Maggie and her brother, Mike, both used to work for us and both said, no, I don't want to do that anymore and went their own separate ways. And now Maggie's back, but this time in gin. So we're second round. Hopefully it'll work. I'll be lasting this time. I think you made the right choice, Maggie. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sorry that I abandoned you the first time. You've brought that up a few times today and I feel like maybe we need to unpack that. Get Zara's mom to uh, help us talk through our, our issues. But We can arrange that. Um, my mom and I are essentially copy-paste human beings. So the they've been married 46 Seven, six. six years, and the re I think the reason my dad and I have a very easy time working together is because I'm just like her. Um, it's great. I love it. I'm glad that it's not in newspapers. I'll say that much. So, yeah, it's nice to have some familial lubricant like Ye Jen. Yeah, it was it's, the the pendulum swings both ways. If you have a little too much, it can get a little hairy. But if you have a nice right amount. 
Yeah. Um, the middle feet. ground is good. Yeah. Well, that was an amazing new segment of our show. It's uh, too bad it's only going to work when we have this combination of guests. Yes, you'll have to come back. we get them back on radio together Mm. again someday. You would Uh, have to twist my arm really hard. I can see that. A.K.A. I'll be here tomorrow. (laughs) We'll we'll bring some tonic to Lion's Roar and we'll see you there. Business meeting at Lion's Roar Karaoke House. 4 a.m. Exactly. 4 a.m. We have to get to our trivia segment, but very quickly. This show goes by so fast. I just want to go around the room and I want everybody... I'm sure we've all been doing a little bit of reflecting, but just like in a very quick sentence, not, not like the number one thing. It doesn't have to be like this like whole soul-wrenching process, but what's something that you are optimistic about for the next decade, for the 2020 decade? Is this personal or global? You pick. Either. Yes. (laughs) Anybody have an idea to start? I'll start. It's political. I really hope that we're going to have a new president. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm optimistic. Why? (laughs) Why would you want that? Again, why, I'm why from Mississippi, and people could be listening. Um, so, so, so many. I, I worked at Modern Farmer. I'm You're going to love our trivia category. I care a lot about our food system. Um, but I am feeling more and more hopeful. I mean, I was hopeful last time around, um, and then had to literally eat nachos and drink rosé for breakfast and go to work for a week after the election. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am really hoping that a lot of people who took things for granted... Then don't take the, don't take things for granted now. That's right. And vote. 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 Please vote. Yeah. Unless you're a Trump supporter. <laughs> <laughs> and then don't. Uh-huh. Well, we have to say, you know, the opinions expressed are not those of HRN. Sure, sure, sure. But sure. also those vote, things, vote with your fork. It's really important. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think I'm just in the next phase of life, so it's interesting that this decade is closing. I feel like my childhood, the sunset has, sun has set on my childhood, truly, as a 35-year-old. That's (laughs) stupid to say. But I'm just excited for the next 10 years because it's going to be, I think, a lot of really good stuff. I'm still waiting for the sun to set on my childhood, as oh. is my mother. <laughs> does it Does it never set? It hasn't yet. Okay. I, I keep waiting and no. I mean that in a good way. I mean, I think I'll always be a child in a lot of ways, but I'm ready to grow up and mm-hmm. start a family and buy a house, mm-hmm. that stuff. Okay. We'll see if it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so being a lifetime journalist, actually, this is really out of nothing to do with gin, which is hopefully the next 10 years will be successful with the gin. But big thing for me in my lifetime, things are always dependent on they go one way, then they come back the other way. And I think the uh, derogatory phrase of fake news and things has brought uh, journalists into the spotlight a little bit more. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's good for us to focus on being sure that we're really true to our principles and good for it. And I think that'll swing back now in the next few years. And that's what I hope to see, that people start thinking of journalists in a positive light again. So that's what I'm mostly looking forward to. You guys are all so smart. (laughs) Um, Okay, so mine is twofold, and they are related to each other. One is personal and one is sort of global, sort of professional. So 
personally, so this I'm I'm about to enter the last year of my twenties, which feels really good because <laughs> I'm ready to say goodbye. Um, but I want to focus on community and and like I've been very career oriented for the last decade and like thinking about big picture things and I want to like focus in on like the people and places that are important to me. Um, and then to sort of piggyback off of that and also to get in a plug, um, I have really just so much hope for like what HRN can achieve in the next decade. Um, and you heard the little drop in our break, but right now we're fundraising because we have so many stories we want to tell you in the twenties and we need all of the support we can get. We're a small operation. Our almost our entire staff is in this room right now. Um, and we are really excited and really jazzed to like travel the country, gathering stories for you, bringing new shows to you and it costs money. So, um, if you're listening, please, show your support every dollar like literally every dollar makes a difference so if you want to join our community as is my uh <laughs> 20s uh, uh what is that called resolution um is to build community so join our community become a member um it means a lot to us you can go to heritageradionetwork.org donate and thank you Thanks, Hannah. I have to wipe away like a little tiny tear now. Um, I, I'll just echo everything that Hannah said. Um, and I'm, I'm bringing a tiny human into the world in a few weeks, and I'm pretty excited to hopefully um, help him be really smart and not afraid to shake things up and just informed about food and how critically important it is to, you know, not only our kind of shared human experience, but the continuation of life on Earth. Literally, it is that important. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. I feel like I don't really know a good answer to this. I just keep thinking about the fact that recently we had a record number of women elected to Congress. And I, my hope for the next decade is that women continue to take over shit. Woo. Amen. Here, that's here. all. That's all. Yes. Dad, you're so outnumbered in this <laughs> Sorry. He's starting to sweat. Sorry, Mr. Miller. But also, shout out to all the men of quality. Hell yeah. yeah. Because if Hell we yeah. find any, we'll tell them. I appreciate you. But I right. so second the whole, the, the, the sentiment about journalism. It's like mm -hmm. been a really harrowing time, and by no means are we doing, um, you know, like, war reporting but it de definitely feels like it's been a harrowing time for people trying to tell uh truthful and important stories and i hope that um i think it woke us up it, it woke really me up. Yeah. it really did i i and i in a sort of lifestyle realm modern farmer was a little more political but still ultimately a lifestyle realm and that happened and after i did get myself out of bed and off the bottle um, and got to work, I felt so galvanized, like yeah. just, I felt like I was making a difference, truly making a difference if I was talking about our farm labor program. Totally. And what's wrong with the H-2A visa system and how reliant we are on immigrant farm labor. I won't even go to all the bad places I could go with that, but it, it, it really did wake me up. It made me more passionate about my job. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm not alone in that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, well, on that note, we have some very quick trivia to do. Yeah, this is yell it out style trivia. Oh, We're all on the same team. All right. Blue. <laughs> no. Apropos of, um, I don't know, something, our trivia theme this week is peach mint trivia. 
It's trivia no. about peaches and mints. Peach mint trivia. Peach mint. Just a random I idea. Oh, this I get week. it. I get it now. <laughs> peach mint. I don't know what you're talking about. Cocktails that would go with peach and mint. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Instead now. of rosé and nachos. I'm there. <laughs> Question number one. What month? What month is national? <laughs> what month? <laughs> Another glass is uh, I've had too much gin. <laughs> it works. What month is National Peach Month? June? No. March? No. Oops. May? Later. July? Later. August. August. Yes! <laughs> Whoa, we won! I know all the months. <laughs> Question number two. Where did the peach come from? Like, literally Egypt. where? No. Georgia. <laughs> the country. Think about a... Uh, I'll give you a hint. It's a it's a country that our current president pronounces real weird. China. Well, that's a lot. Correct. <laughs> Wait, how does he say China? China. Oh. Oh. <laughs> mm. Question number three. That's on brand. <laughs> Why do peaches have fuzz? It has something to do with water. Right? It does. Yes. Keeps them from getting moldy. I'm gonna give it to you. Wa- waterproof. Yeah, it col- it collects moisture and protects them from rotting. Oh, great, great job, Maggie. Thank wow. you. Question number four: Who is the world's leading producer of peaches? You've already got a hint. Colorado. No. Georgia. China. 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 <laughs> they produce over half of the world's peaches. All right. Weird. Where does mint get its name from? Latin. Hmm. <laughs> Sort of. Menta? Yeah. The Greek oh. mythical figure. Oh, Greek. Yeah. Uh, oh, a mythical. Yeah, I, I had no idea. <laughs> uh, how many species of mint are there? Species. One. A lot. This is a trick question. <laughs> There's catnip. There's this, the specific kind that grows in Cuba, but they won't serve mojitos. Am I getting this right? Yes. They won't serve you mojitos if it's off season. Hmm. Wait. Wait. I think this is a trick question, and there's a lot of varieties, but only one species. No. No. Oh. Um, Five. Seventeen. You're very close, Maggie. Eighteen. Yes. Oh. Wow. Is there a score? Sometimes? You're like a savant. I knew it. Maggie's winning. <laughs> uh, last question. What year was mint gum invented? 1912. Very close. 1913. <laughs> Even closer. 1914. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You guys won trivia. Congratulations. Wow. They're Team the Miller. trivia Millers. Team Miller, everybody. You should go on Family Feud. The Millers. The Millers. This, this branch no of the family would lose. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I think we have to wrap up. Uh, get another show in the studio rolling. Um, thank you to Sarah Gray Miller, Maggie Miller, Randy Miller. Thank you to our engineer, Amanda Wang. Happy Thing. end of 2019, folks. We did it. Amanda Wang Miller. <laughs> and Zara Tangora Miller. Yeah, you're all Millers now. Yes. Hannah Borden Miller. Katie Mosman Wadler Miller. Oh, great. Another last name, just what I've always wanted. <laughs> and Thank it's you, me, Kat Johnson, Kat Johnson Miller. Miller. Uh, we'll see you in 2020. I hope everyone has a happy, happy holiday season um, and um, an amazing next decade. We're gonna, we're gonna make it. See you then. <laughs>
This program is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.